Issues Etc. is listener-supported. We rely on you for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Now, if you appreciate Issues Etc., please consider making a tax-deductible gift today. You can make a secure online contribution at issuesetc.org. You can also donate by check. Make your check payable to Issues Etc. and send it to Issues Etc., Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. And thanks for your support. What do you do when, as a Christian, you find yourself almost overcome with the circumstances of life? The word that we use here, the word that Scripture uses for this situation that Christians often find themselves in, is despair. It's attended by fear, anxiety, all of the other things that we live with every day in a fallen world as fallen people. But one of the things that Christians are called never, ever to do is despair. Scripture is full of comfort, words of comfort for people who are in the midst of despair, calling them out of despair and back to the assurance and the comfort of our salvation in Jesus Christ. And the hymn that we're going to be studying on this Labor Day, it's a little hymn addressed to a little flock. O little flock, fear not the foe, is one of those calls to assurance, to comfort, to confidence, and ultimately... Let's just use the word that Scripture uses, to faith. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. on this Labor Day. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Pastor Will Whedon joins us in the first hour to study the hymn, O Little Flock, Fear Not the Foe. And in the second hour of the program, we will be talking about the vocations of employer and employee with Pastor Peter Bender, director of the Concordia Catechetical Academy in Sussex, Wisconsin. Pastor Will Whedon is a regular guest. He's Director of Worship and Chaplain of the International Center for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Will, welcome back. Thank you so much, Todd. It is a joy to be with you today. Is this a good example, because this comes straight out of the Reformation era, a good example about, uh, kind of contrary to many Reformation era hymns, a hymn doesn't have to have 15 stanzas. <laughs> it doesn't have to be long to be substantial. Yeah, I always, you know, it cracks me up that the uh, the organist at the church I attend now, where, where I used to be a pastor, uh, he is he is a Roman Catholic guy from, from Holland, and he always just goes, oh, another one of those Lutheran hymns. How many stanzas this time? You know? <laughs> because they always have so many, but but not always. As you point out, it can be, it can be short. Not only short. The, 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 this hymn, as it originally was composed, had only three stanzas, the first three stanzas, the fourth is, is sort of an addition. But but also, it is powerfully evocative. Um, it, it is it is an emotionally strong piece. Uh, and and I think you hit the, 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 the nail on the head there at the beginning when you described it as, um, you know, in despair or, or maybe even just terror at being overwhelmed. Because uh, I think we need to set set the hymn into its historical context to begin to get the the depth of the emotions that's running through this piece. What is that context? What are the the uh, the stories, so to speak, that surround this little hymn? Funny you should ask. Um, no, I, I, <laughs> I think that uh, we need to remember that there was a very uneasy kind of a piece that was established in 1555 that allowed the the Lutheran Church to exist in Germany 
um, as a legitimate state church. And when you say exist, you mean not just kind of um, to to be recognized, to be tolerated, and not to be and not to be persecuted, right? not to be killed, not to be killed. Mm-hmm. But um, things deteriorated over over a period of time until until you reach this very sad period in European history known as the the Thirty Years' War. Um, this begins in in sixteen eighteen, and literally thirty years of of wasting destruction as the Counter Reformation full force attempts to simply once and for all do away with the evangelical churches. It, it you know that that's sort of the intent. Um, is that that there when all, when when this war is done, Europe will be Roman Catholic again, and that will be the end of it by military force. by military force, and the 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 Lutherans at first did not. I mean, they they were <laughs> organization people who say you know I don't want to have anything to do with organized religion. I always say you really need to be a Lutheran. <laughs> we don't have anything to do with organized religion anyway. They were about the most organ, unorganized people in the world. That was true back then too. So Lutheranism was was very much. Um, a, 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 it looked like it was going to be easy pickings, and um, things things were were really looking bad. And had not had not a man named Gustavus Adolphus, you know, the Swedish king, had he not said, "Goodness, I cannot leave my brothers in Germany to face this alone. I, I must bring help." If he had not brought help, it looks like that you know, as, as far as earthly um, wisdom goes, that would have been the end of the Lutheran Reformation right right then and there. So he he comes down and and he brings um, his, his army with him. The day that the man died, um, and let me get the date right, because it was November uh, in the morning of of November sixteenth in sixteen thirty two. So we're only fourteen years into this war, but already at this point the tide is going to begin to turn, and at least at the end of the war. You know, the Roman Catholics, Lutherans, and the uh, Reformed are going to stop killing each other, and they're going to respect the right of each of the churches to exist. Um, but uh, it's 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 November, it's sixteen thirty-two, and the the Catholic army was gathered together under uh, Wallenstein, and the, the the evangelicals were under Gustavus Adolphus. They stood opposed to each other at a town called Lutzen, and they were ready to strike. So how do you prepare for something like this? That was supposed to be a very foggy day, um, a day that uh, you couldn't very well see what was going on. The king commanded his court preacher, Fabricius, um, who you might notice as the man in our hymnal credited with having composed the piece, uh, Fabricius to lead them in prayer. And during the service, the whole army sang what came to be known as, you know, the pious king's swan song, his battle song. Versage nicht, du Häuflein klein. You know, do not despair, O little flock. O little flock, fear not the foe. Um, and uh, the king himself is reported to have been on his knees praying fervently. He would die that day. He would go into battle. He's going to be shot. Um, but the cause that that he rallied them for well, and, and and as 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 they're moving into the battle, we should also add that the the trumpets and the kettle drums are are, are hammering out a mighty fortress, and a little flock, you know. Don't and, and also in God uh, may God as uh, I can't remember the English of that. Um, may God bestow on us His grace. 
So they're, uh, they're, they're preparing for, for the battle by being spiritually mollified. They're saying, you know, here, here's comfort. Here's comfort for you. Even if we lose this battle, this is a war we cannot lose. This is a war that Christ has already won, a triumph that's already his. No death, no hatred, no anger or violence, nothing that you suffer in this world is going to be able to rob you of this victory. These were men who were prepared to die for the faith. Is that yeah. what we're talking about here? Yeah, they were, they were preparing to die. And I want to stress this. They were not, let's be clear on this, they were not dying they were not willing to die to impose their faith on others. They were willing to die to preserve the right of, of Lutheran Christians to remain Lutheran. That, that was at the heart of what they were fighting for. So don't picture this as a, a, you know, a power move, an aggression move on, on the part of the Swedes. It was not that. It was simply saying, these people have the right to live and to die according to the dictates of their conscience as Lutheran Christians. Now, that's what the fight if you will, was about. What are the primary texts, biblical texts, that inform the text of this hymn? Well, it, it, the very first one that, that um, obviously comes to mind is from the 12th chapter of Luke, where our Lord Jesus Christ, trying to console his disciples, you know, he, he, he's already told them about, don't, consider the lilies, how they grow, you know, they, they don't toil, they don't spin, Solomon in all his glory, he was not arrayed like any one of these, look, if God clothes the grass, which is alive today, tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more is he going to clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? So don't worry about what you are to eat and what you are to drink. Do not worry. All these things the nations of the world seek after. Your Father knows you need them. Instead, you seek his kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. And what about this kingdom that you're to seek? Listen to these words. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And because you have the kingdom, you can sell your possessions, you can give to the needy, provide for yourselves money bags that don't grow old. You have a treasure in heaven that does not fail. No thief's going to be able to take that away from you. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So the primary place from which the inspiration for the hymn is drawn is the words of Jesus, Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And so spinning out of that, you get the, the first stanza, especially, you know, t- powerful words. Oh, little flock, fear not the foe who madly seeks your overthrow. Dread not his rage and power. And though your courage sometimes faints, his seeming triumph for God's saints lasts but a little hour. i
We'll take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about that first stanza of the hymn we're studying on this Labor Day, O Little Flock, Fear Not the Foe. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. He's Director of Worship and Chaplain of the International Center for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Stay tuned. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by joining the Issues Etc. 300. Messiah Lutheran, Seattle, Washington. Grace Lutheran, McPherson, Kansas. St. Paul's Lutheran, Bridgeport, Nebraska. Our Savior Lutheran, Raleigh, North Carolina. St. Paul Lutheran, Hancock, Maryland. Messiah Lutheran, Keller, Texas. St. John's Lutheran, Maple Grove, Minnesota. Grace Lutheran, Parker, Colorado. And Our Redeemer Lutheran, Harrington, Kansas. Find out how your church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Go to our website, issuesetc.org, and click support. When your congregation joins the Issues Etc. 300, we'll advertise your congregation on the radio, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Issuesetc.org. Click support. The Issues Etc. 300. Historic. Authentic. Christian Radio. You're listening to Issues Etc. In Hosea 4, we read, My people are destroyed by lack of knowledge. At the CLCC, we educate Lutherans on being Lutheran. The Confessional Lutherans for Christ's Commission treasure our Lutheran beliefs and think that all Christians would if they learned what we believe, teach, and confess. Visit our website at theclcc.org. See what we have to offer. Get on our mailing list, or better yet, join us, and encourage your pastors to hold an event in your area. For more information, go to theclcc.org. Does your church need a full-time or backup organist? The virtual organist service from Church Music Solutions is genuine organ leadership using your instrument with your specific selections when you need it. You can try it out for free with our demo unit, which allows you and your members to hear and see the virtual organist without obligation and without a sales pitch. For more details, go to churchmusicsolutions.com. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. It's Labor Day, September the 2nd. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. We're studying the hymn, O Little Flock, Fear Not the Foe. Will, when we started talking about this in the last segment, you said that this was uh, very intense, that this is a little hymn packed with great emotion. And I notice the references to kind of the rage, the madness uh, of of our foe, the devil, he madly seeks your overthrow in that first stanza. Dread not his rage and power. Talk about, if you would, the devil in his own kind of wrath. Why does he hate us? Well, we remember the the powerful passage in Revelation twelve with Saint Michael and how the devil is is thrown down to the earth, and we're told, "Watch out! <laughs> Where do you, O earth? Woe to you!" Because the devil has come to you in great fury knowing his time is short. And our enemy here, he, he is, int- he hates us, as you, you know, you know, he hates us with a, with, a, with a passion that is just amazing. Why does he hate us so? 
there's all kinds of ways we could speculate about that. But I think perhaps the the most profound thought on this is he is an angelic spirit. He is a proud angelic spirit. And the idea that he, an angelic spirit, is intended by God to be a servant of us poor creatures of flesh and blood. He was created to serve us? He was created to serve. And it's like, no, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. You know, us serve them. And when, of course, the incarnation itself is unveiled and, and the one who is the master and creator of all, including him, is revealed as one of us, um, it, 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 there, is, there is envy and rage um, and hatred against the, the, the entirety of the human race there. That passage that you, read, that you referenced from the book of Revelation, because the, the dragon can't consume the, the child of the woman, mm-hmm. she's both Israel, she's Mary, she is church. Eve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's church. Mm-hmm. The child is Christ, cannot, can, cannot devour Cannot destroy him. Destroy him in any way. Then his fury is ignited against the rest of her children. Yeah, against the rest of her children. You know, the 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 fate of uh, of the church as it lives in this world is always to be hated by Satan. And I really want to stress in this day and age, you must. I mean, open your eyes. Look at what's happening on 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 the TV screen to our our poor sisters and brothers in the land of Egypt, and and you realize. That this hatred, you know, we've come to think of it as sort of an intellectual thing or whatever. No, I mean, it's, it's a literal, vicious, absolutely uh, unrelenting determination to destroy those who call upon the name of Jesus Christ. Um, and this has been, over many, many centuries, the church's sad experience in this world. Um, I know I said at the beginning that the, the context of this particular hymn was the sad days when it was Christians doing this to each other. But even when Christians were doing it to each other, this hymn unmasks the one who is always really behind the hatred and the bloodshed. Um, and that is always, uh, you know, the, the, the old evil foe. You have said several times in different contexts here on this program that um, we're instructed uh, by the church and its great tradition of prayer, not to pray to be delivered from our enemies, but to be delivered from the fear yeah, of I, our enemies. What do you mean by that? I thought about that from the collective piece as I was thinking about this particular hymn today. I thought, there it is again. It's right there in that hymn. Um, this, the, the, the flesh and blood in front of you is never the problem. Not even the devil is finally the problem. The problem would be that you, as the child of God, should fear them, or that, worst of all, that their actions should make you hate them, rather than pity and seek their um, and, and seek uh, the blessing of God upon the people who are persecuting you. Um, this this hymn, I, I think it it is so powerful in the way that it it, it grabs hold of you deep inside when it talks about though your courage sometimes faints. What Christian hasn't had that experience, you know, where you look at this horrible opposition to being a Christian in this world, to belonging to Christ, and you realize it's going to cost, it's going to cost you something huge, and you're terrified at the price. You're terrified of it, and and it seems so easy if you just let it go. Things will go well with you, and it'll be easy for you in this world, right? Well, we know Satan's a deceiver and a liar, and just letting it go is no guarantee that he's going to make it easy for you in this world. But that's the way it seems. But the, this hymn points you to the delusion, or the illusion, 
I should say, the illusion that Satan painting before you, that, that, it, that, that he is triumphant over the saints by shedding their blood. He is triumphant over the saints by taking their life. And, and the hymn says, no, he is not triumphed. That seeming triumph of his, it lasts only an hour. That's a powerful passage. It lasts only an hour. It's quoting from a statement that, 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 that the, the early church would frequently use to comfort itself during the persecutions. You know, it is a passing shower. It will pass. It is only an hour. It's a little hour. Wait. That there's always on the other side of the persecution, there came times of relief. Is it talking about the resurrection, ultimately talking about the resurrection there, his seeming triumph for the saints? Because you think about those you know, countless saints, and the yeah. count is going up even more in the 21st century than ever before. Right, right. Who have not only had their blood shed, but their lives taken. Yeah, I, I, the hour, I think, that's that, that that's uh, referenced finally when, when, it is, when things are set right again is first and foremost the parousia, the return of Christ, which, as you note, entails the resurrection of the dead. And, and the victory of those saints whom the evil one thought were gone. You know, okay, I got them. I, I got rid of them the same way I got rid of him. And it's like, ah, the same way you didn't get rid of him, you're not going to get rid of them. Now, one other question on this before we go to stanza two. It begins to, to this first stanza introduces a theme that is replayed several times in this hymn. And that the devil's a fake. Mm-hmm. That, a facade that it'll say later. Just... He's trying to deceive you. Um, he's a deceiver. By his I mean, trickery. A, yeah. It's not just lies, but he's really trying to deceive you into thinking something about him, too. Right. If you think of the, the, the temptation of our Lord uh, where, from the great mountain where he sees everything and the devil pretends. He says, all this is mine. I'll give it all to you. <laughs> you know. Um, uh, of course, it wasn't his. It wasn't his to give to anyone. Um, but but he likes to deceive us and pretend that it is, and all that power, all that might of of, of earthly authority, uh, he he seeks to uh, to marshal as his own or to claim as his own. The uh, words of the second stanza actually beautifully uh, echo something. One of the uh, final writings in one of the principal Lutheran confessions, stanza two of "O little flock, fear not the foe." Be of good cheer, your cause belongs to him who can avenge your wrongs. Leave it to him, our Lord. Though hidden yet from mortal eyes, his Gideon shall for you arise, uphold you and his word. Stanza two, the hymn is, O Little Flock, Fear Not the Foe. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. Pastor Whedon, um, I read this several years ago, and it struck me. It was, and I can't remember what it was. I think it's in one of the introductions to the Augsburg Confession or the Apology of the Augsburg Confession that ends this way, talking about how this isn't our cause. This cause belongs to Christ. And that's the words of confidence they express in the face of having to defend the Christian faith. Talk about that. Yeah, the cause is is the Lord's. And this is huge because 
sinful human beings always want to believe that the cause you're only sticking up for this because you're you know uh, you're, a, you're you're conservative. You're only sticking up for this because you're a stick in the mud. Um, you know that that kind of thought always comes. Like no, this is not about us. This 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 is the, the, this cause is the Lord's cause. Um, and this image of Gideon. I just, I just love that. Where does that come from? I mean, you think about the story of Gideon and the judges, right? Um, do you remember the, the, the fleece, right? You know, God, ta- God takes, takes him. Well, first of all, he chops down his family's Asher pole. You know, they're, they're a little idol and, and, and gets into trouble that way. And then when, when God tells him to go take the army and go defeat the Midianites, Gideon's like, well, I need, can you give me a sign? Give me some, I'm kind of nervous here. Prove to me that you're really with me. And you remember God gives him the sign, uh, the, 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 the fleece uh, is, is laid out and, and the dew is on the fleece, but not on the ground. And then he's like, okay, don't get mad at me. Give me another sign. It's a problem with signs. You never really believe them when they come. <laughs> so he, he gets the sign the, the reverse way, the fleece being dry and the ground being, being wet. And and then in the courage, though, that he writes, okay, God, if you're going to be with me, I'll do it. And remember, he goes to take his army and <laughs> to Ged, it's a little army, but it's it's a def- against a whole pile of Midianites. And God says, oh, that army's a little too big yet. Remember, he wheedles it down and wheedles it down until it's finally just 300 men. <laughs> he sends 300 men armed with what? Torches and trumpets. Oh, and a piece of pottery to break. And he sends them to go defeat the army of the Midianites. You want to make absolutely sure that when it was done, it would be perfectly clear that this victory was not a victory of man. This really, the cause was the Lord's. The Lord's, and only the Lord could have caused victory to have come out of something as absolutely silly as uh, as what God sent Gideon to accomplish. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. We'll take a break, and on the other side, another half hour with him studying the hymn, O Little Flock Fear Not the Foe, on this Labor Day, September the 2nd. He's Director of Worship and Chaplain of the International Center for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay tuned. If your travels bring you to Northwest Indiana, the Saints of Heritage Lutheran Church in Valparaiso invite you to join us for a Christ-centered, cross-focused divine service at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. For more information about visiting Heritage, please contact Pastor Joseph Ostafinsky by calling 219-464-2810 or sending an email to heritagelc at frontier.com. You can also visit us on the web at www.heritage-lcms.org. This is a message for members of Thrivent Financial for Lutherans. If you designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to Issues Etc. online before October 31st, Thrivent will designate an additional $25 to Issues Etc. For more information on how you can designate funds to Lutheran Public Radio, and to give an additional $25 to LPR, look for the Thrivent logo under the Donate page at issuesetc.org. 
Would you like to help your son or daughter achieve their maximum athletic potential? Hi, this is Jeff Schwartz, General Manager of Lutheran Public Radio. My friend, fellow parishioner, and certified athletic trainer, Kevin Rysick, is the owner and operator of Arch Fitness of East Alton, Illinois. Arch Fitness specializes in sports performance training for middle school to collegiate level athletes. For more information, call Kevin at 618-670-6952. 618-670-6952. Yeah, Oktoberfest. Not in Munich, but in Kiwani, Illinois at St. Paul's. Sunday, October 13th to the 15th. If you've never been, you really need to come. It's the best party on the block. And our guest this year is Pastor Todd Wilkin of Issues Etc. We have worship and music, a speaker, and then brats and beer and laughter and loads of fun. Call us at 309-852-2461. Leave your name and phone number and we'll get back to you. Yeah, Oktoberfest. Providing artillery support for the church militant on the front lines. You're listening to Issues Etc. Christological. My friends, Jesus comes only for sinners. Historical. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by... Sacramental. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given unto death for your sins. To find a Christological, historical, and sacramental church near you, go to issuesetc.org and click Find a Church. Back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Here in the first days of the month of September, we have a new Issues Etc. Book of the Month. It is in the You Can Do It series from Concordia Publishing House, written by a regular guest here on Issues Etc., Pastor Charles St. Ange. And the one that we have chosen is a thing you can do, appreciate science and love the Bible. It is often said these days, and it's often even accepted by Christians, that Christians have to leave science at the door when they enter the church, or that they have to leave science behind altogether. You know what science is? Simply reading God's world. Science and the faith are not in contradiction with one another, although that contradiction is often apparent. It is, again, simply another illusion, another trick of the devil to say that a real reading of this world and our holy scriptures, God's word, are somehow in contradiction. You can find out more about it in our Issues Etc. Book of the Month for September, Five Things You Can Do, Appreciate Science and Love the Bible from Concordia Publishing House. Their toll-free number, 1-800-325-3040, 1-800-325-3040, or browse before you buy at our website, issuesetc.org. We're studying the hymn, O Little Flock, Fear Not the Foe. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. Uh, one other thought on this second stanza before we go on to the third. Be of good cheer. It struck me... Um, couple weeks ago this is some of the most annoying advice jesus ever gives if, if are you i am one of those people that when, I, when i'm in a bad mood and someone says cheer up 
I can't think of anything that annoys me more, especially when they're genuinely <laughs> cheerful themselves. I don't want to cheer up. I want to wallow in this. But Jesus says, be of good cheer. I think Luther's insight is, well, um, that cheer is not about you feeling better. Right. It's about something that exists outside of you. It's about having confidence in something outside of you. You can't hear... I mean, here the be of good cheer is obviously put into the to the lips of the Lord, speaking it to his Christians. You can't hear that without having the words um, from the farewell discourse ring in, where Jesus says, you know, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So there it is. You said, outside you, here is something in which you can have joy all times. Because Jesus himself has overcome the world. The, put it this way. By the cross itself, it, 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 is, it, is, it is Jesus saying, you know, the, you cannot make me hate you. I will, I, you know, your hatred cannot overcome me. It cannot conquer me. It cannot become my life. I will not hate you. I will love you and forgive you all your sins no matter what you do. <laughs> and this, this is when he says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, speaking proleptically there, if you will, in anticipation of the victory that was coming on, on Calvary's cross. Um, you know what? Something else we should do probably really briefly. We, we didn't get through it at the beginning. You know, we bitched two people. It was said that this is, you know, Gustavus Adolphus and that it was uh, his, sometimes attributed to his to his chaplain, Fabricius. But the actual author, most people have come to conclude, is, is the Lutheran per, uh, pastor, Johann Michael Altenburg. Um, and uh, it, it appears that um, it's attributed to, to that pastor um, a, a few years after the song is first mentioned, um, but before the other attributions came to be. It was certainly known as the swan song of, of, of um, uh, King Adolphus, but uh, Gustavus Adolphus, but it was not um, attributed right away to, to him. The third—oh, I had one other question on yeah. stanza two. Gideon, you mentioned before, the Old Testament story of Gideon. Yeah. Is that supposed to be Jesus? Well, I think that in this instance, the 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 intent of, of bringing up Gideon is to say, look, you may not see where the deliverance is coming for you from for from for you in this particular horrible instance in which you are living, but do not be afraid. You don't know where Gideon is. God is going to raise up a hero for you who will save you. Some people we would even see that as a reference to Gustavus Adolphus, a tie into the to the history there. Um, but uh, the the final Gideon. Who arrives and, 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 and conquers all of our Midianitish enemies is, of course, our Lord Jesus at his parousia. And the parousia, the, 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 the glorious appearing of Christ at the end of time, is what's the, the confidence that's running through this. Again, outside of us, it, it says, you know, this is something that no matter how many battles we lose along the way, that final triumph of the war is Christ. He will win. I like that last um, line. He will uphold you and, and his, his word. word. What yeah, does that isn't mean? that great? He's going to he, he is going to preserve you, uphold you know preserve a halt, and he's going to he's going to do both. He's going to keep you, and he's going to keep his word. His promise to you will not fail, and because his promise to you will not fail, you're not going to fail. Clinging to that word, you have a life that death is simply not going to be able to take you of, no matter how the foe rages against you. Stanza three. As true as God's own word is true, not earth nor hell's satanic crew against us shall prevail. Their might, a joke, a mere facade. God is with us, and we with God. Our victory cannot fail. As true as God's word is true. 
would you point us to in this third stanza? Well, I kind of like the, it, it sort of didn't get picked up all the way through. Um, in, in the, the German, we have that, um, you know, so far Gott, Gott ist und sein Wort, muss Teufel, Welt und Hüllenfort. Okay, so it's um, not satanic crew, but it's... Uh, it's it, yeah, it's, it's the devil, the world, and the gates of hell. You know, it's it's and that rings in right away with the promise of Jesus in Matthew 16. I will build my church. I will build it. And the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it, will not be able to hold out against it. So this uh, uh, the, the, the aligning of the enemies of, of, of the church, the enemies of, of the true child of God, um, and says, you know, they look they look really bad, but God's word is true. Now, see, you've said this before that we get this wrong. We think that somehow the church. I think you've said before Jesus doesn't say that 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 um, they shall not prevail against the gates of the church, right? <laughs> but it's the, it, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Why do we get that? We get that mixed up. What's the right way to understand that? Well, the, the gates of hell not prevailing against the church means that when the church storms the gates of hell, which 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 we look at the the kingdoms of this world being held enthralled by the powers of hell by Satan and his crew, um, the church by the speaking of the gospel by the administering of baptism, releasing people from the the the, the authority and power of Satan by the gift of absolution, giving them a forgiveness that Satan can't overcome, feeding into them the body and blood of Jesus in the Eucharist in such a way that they their bodies will not be able to be subject to death. It's Self, they, 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 they will be set free. Um, this is how hell, the gates of hell, just crumble in front of the church with her lowly little means of grace walking out. They're kind of like, you know, it looks as silly as, as Gideon's army, you know, the little stuff that God gives us to go make war on. But Jesus promises, don't worry, I've given you a word that he can't defeat. I've given you a baptism, he can't defeat. I've given you the absolution, he can't defeat. I've given you the Eucharist, he can't defeat. Go on in these things. And in the confidence, they'll deliver exactly what they promise. So when the church baptizes, is it storming the gates of hell? Yes, she storms the gates of hell and says, this one's ours. <laughs> Hands off. This one we rescue. This one belongs to Christ. Uh, what else is in this stanza, since we're talking church militant very clearly here in this third one? I love this, 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 there might a joke, a mere facade, you know, it, 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 it's, it's not something that, uh, um, that, that has tangible reality behind it. It, it, it is a fake, a fraud, there, there might. And then you come to actually what is, Todd, the very heart of the hymn. God is with us and we with God. Right away, you hear those words and the Reformation Psalm comes to mind. God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters rage and foam. God is with us. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. God is with us. And this is, this is the comfort that this hymn sings into the hearts of the Christian people. We are with God. God is with us. The victory cannot fail, even if everything falls apart around you. If you have him, you have everything you will ever need. That's the comfort that it sings. And this is Emmanuel. This is the incarnation. Yeah. About a minute here. Uh, When we say God is with us, we're not only talking about an historical event in the womb of the Virgin Mary back then. 
No, no. Remember the one who was in the womb of the Virgin Mary. He is the one who said um, in Matthew 28, he said, I am with you always. I am Emmanuel for you always. I am the God who is with you always to the end of the age. Um, So we're never alone. We're never cut off from him. And because of that, our victory is secure. It's as secure as Jesus' own resurrection. When we come back, we're going to hear the fourth stanza, get the final thoughts of Pastor Will Whedon on this great hymn, O little flock, fear not the foe. The words we will hear, Amen, Lord Jesus, grant our prayer. Great Captain, now thine arm make bare. Fight for us once again. So shall thy saints and martyrs raise a mighty chorus to thy praise forevermore. Amen. When we come back, that's final stanza of O Little Flock, Fear Not the Foe. And then we'll also hear the entire hymn as we study it with Pastor Will Whedon, Director of Worship and Chaplain of the International Center for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. It is Christ himself who speaks these words to us. He wants us to see that his victory is our victory, that he is with us, that he never leaves us nor forsakes us, and because of that, we can utter the words of this final stanza. Amen, amen. We'll be right back. The church's music from the second century. Shepherd of tender youth, guiding in love The sixth century. The 12th century. The 16th century. The 21st century. The best of the church's music from the past 2,000 years. LutheranPublicRadio.org Confessional Lutherans, we've got your back. You're listening to Issues Etc. Not only does our church need men right now, but the world needs men who will proclaim the gospel in its purity. Issues Etc. regular guest Dr. Peter Scare on why you should consider visiting Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. If when you go to sleep at night you're thinking about it, my experience with it is this, is that thought won't go away. So if you're going to bed at night thinking about following our Lord and becoming a preacher of this gospel, then I would love if you could come and visit Fort Wayne, our campus. We'd love to show you around and show you what it is that we do. Concordia Theological Seminary invites you to prayerfully consider a free weekend event October 10th through the 12th. For more information, call 1-800-481-2155. Prayerfully consider October the 10th through the 12th on the campus of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. 
fourth stanza of the hymn that we're studying in this hour with Pastor Will Whedon, O Little Flock, Fear Not the Foe. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Another 10 minutes studying this hymn. In hour two of Issues Etc. on this Labor Day, the vocations of employer and employee. Pastor Peter Bender will be our guest director of the Concordia Catechetical Academy in Sussex, Wisconsin. That's hour two of Issues Etc. In this fourth stanza, it begins and ends with an amen. And you said before that this fourth stanza is an addition. Yeah, the fourth stanza, and I'm into the hymn. That's yeah. what it is. So this, this, uh, it, it enfolds uh, its entire content into this amen. It's basically trying to amen everything that came before in in the hymn itself. Um, and I, I just think it's really powerful in its imagery. Uh, you know, Amen, Lord Jesus, grant our prayer, great Captain, great Captain. You know, he is. The, again, we see in the church's hymn in the over and over again this uh, militia, the church. The church is at war. She fights, though, with spiritual weapons. She does not fight with earthly weapons. She And her captain triumphs in a, non, uh, a non-earthly way, if you will, by, a, by, by, the, by the glory of his gospel. So he's the great captain, but you can't help but think of uh, the pictures in Revelation of him riding forth on the, the white horse, you know, with, the, with the, the name, the word of God emblazoned on, on, on his, uh, his thigh. And this calls uh, uh, for us to also see that his triumph is never his alone. Fight for us once again, and when you do, look at this this end. So shall thy saints and martyrs raise a mighty chorus to thy praise forevermore. Amen. All of a sudden, the hymn dumps us right in the center of all the great victory hymns in the book of Revelation. Uh, you, you know, uh, remember just just for one remember revelation 7 uh he sees the multitude that no one could could number from every nation all tribes all people all languages are standing before the throne before the lamb they're clothed in white they've got their victory palm branches in their hand and they're crying out salvation belongs to our god and to the lamb and the angels are saying amen and praising God. And who are these? Who are these? These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. So they are with him and serve him day and night in his temple. And no no uh, earthly sorrow can ever touch them again. And so the the, the picture of, of the suffering church here on earth united to the victorious church gathered at the throne of God is how the, the, the thing ends. And could there be a more comforting, encouraging picture than, hey, you know, we're not alone in this. The saints and angels, the, the saints and martyrs rather that have, that have already triumphed. And we might be among those martyrs. And soon. we might be among them soon, but it's okay. We're, we're, we, it is absolutely okay because in Jesus Christ, we have the defeat of, of death itself. Well, that's what I want to know, uh, this phrase, uh, great captain, now thy arm make bare might imply for some kind of a triumphalistic view of how the church is in the world. But that image that you've talked about, the church militant, is distinctly a theology of the cross. Thing, yeah. That Jesus mean- <laughs> does not, this is not Jesus taking the world by the kind of force that the world uses. Yeah. Yeah. P- picture, picture. If, if you want to see how the church uses the image, think about what exactly is the image of Christ great triumph find a man beaten bloodied nailed to a piece of wood and hung up as a forgotten piece of meat for the crows to eat and there's the triumph into which he calls us <laughs> the triumph of a love that could not be destroyed by hatred the triumph of a forgiveness that was stronger than every offense that could be thrown at it this is the triumph this is the war into which he calls us as soldiers so it's not an unusual thing that the Christian would die. 
No, right. I mean, to us now, that that seems, you know, in this world, we think, I mean, in this place, in this country, we think, that, well, that's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't happen all that often, does it? I mean, that was from long ago and far away, right? It's like, no, look again, look on your TV screen. Think of these poor people who are being martyred in, in Egypt and not just there. In so many places throughout the world, you see the, the, the people who belong to Christ being, I mean, they are given over to death because they belong to the crucified. Well, let's hear the entire hymn, O Little Flock, Fear Not the Foe, and then we'll get Pastor Will Whedon's final thoughts on this hymn. The hymn, O Little Flock, Fear Not the Foe. Pastor Whedon, your final thoughts here. I was thinking as the two, two, two things. Number one, there's something very powerful about hearing the little children seeing those devastating words, especially if you think about the, if, if you can almost picture in your mind the slaughter that that, that, that took place as, um, as, as people fought for the right to actually be and, and, and maintain the, the, the Lutheran faith. It's also reminded, hearing the word little, well, little flock, um, there have been times that the truth, if you will, has not been in the majority in the church. Um, and, and I think 
of two passages from two of the fathers that, that seem to inform this hymn. Think of this. Listen, to, this is from St. Basil the Great. He writes, I learned from the example of the children in Babylon that when there is no one to support the cause of true religion, we must accomplish our duties alone. They sang a hymn to God from the midst of the flames, not thinking about the multitudes who rejected the truth, but content to have each other, even though there were only three of them. Therefore, the cloud of our enemies does not dismay us, but we place our trust in the Spirit's help and boldly proclaim the truth. Wow. And similarly, from his dear friend, uh, Gregor of Nazianzus, he says, Where are those who reproach us with our poverty and boast themselves of their own riches, who define the church by numbers and scorn the little flock, and who measure the Godhead and weigh the people in the balance? Powerful. Both of these men saw that truth outweighs all things. And when the truth was there, then the little flock had the courage to stand against hordes that opposed it. They could stand on the firm rock of what God himself had revealed in his word and be content with that and with the little company of those who held with them. I think that's a powerful thing. Pastor Will Whedon is Director of Worship and Chaplain of the International Center for the Lutheran Church in Missouri Synod. Will, thank you very much for being our guest. Thank you so much, Ty. In Hour 2 of Issues Etc., we're going to be looking at the twin vocations of employer and employee. We often think about our work and our jobs as a necessary evil, as something that we have to do. If we understand it in the light of God's calling to each of us as baptized children, we begin to see these things as gifts that God gives. Even your employer, even your boss is a gift. Pastor Peter Bender will be our guest in Hour 2 of Issues, etc. The latest Issues, etc. journal is out. I've written an article there responding, some further thoughts responding to old earth creationism. People who want to find a halfway house between a very old earth, four billion years old, and a seemingly incongruous account of an earth created more recently and in only seven days. Also, a great Wittenberg Trail feature from uh, a, a regular guest here on the program, uh, Pastor David Ramirez. It's called, What Will It Be? Glib, Facile, Cleverness, or Holy Zeal? He talks about his trip from liberal Lutheranism to confessional Lutheranism. It's all there in the latest Issues Etc. journal, and you can subscribe absolutely free. Go to our website, issuesetc.org. There's a big red button in the left-hand side. It says subscribe. Click on that, enter your email address, and you are subscribed absolutely free to the latest issues, etc. journal. You also find back issues of the journal under this under the publications page at our website, issuesetc.org. Don't forget the big red button. Well, it's probably an accident that this hymn, at least in the Lutheran service book, is numbered number 666. Speaking of the foe, that's probably an accident, but the, there is no accident as to its message. The little flock fears not the foe because the foe has been overthrown by our Savior, by our shepherd. And he speaks these words of comfort to us, words that sustain us in the midst of these trials. We'll be right back with more Issues Etc. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address... Lutheran Public Radio, P.O. Box 912, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. 
Box 912, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Greetings from your friends at Zion Lutheran Church, Muscuta, Illinois, a proud supporter of Issues Etc. Zion Lutheran is a welcoming, family-friendly church that's firmly grounded on the unchanging truth of God's Word. We receive God's gifts of grace in a timeless, reverent way each Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Zion Lutheran is located at 101 South Railway in Muscuta, Illinois. Zion Lutheran is a church home that's both faithful and friendly, and you'll be warmly welcomed. For more information, call 618-566-7345. For 20 years, we've lifted our voices and instruments to the hymns of Stephen Starkey. Now, CPH has the first ever CD collection of Pastor Starkey's works titled, We Praise You and Acknowledge You, O God. This 12-track CD includes nearly an hour of music from the most beloved Lutheran hymn writer of our time. Order now. Use promotion code URA. We praise you and acknowledge you, O God, is only $15.99. CPH.org.